Welcome to the Hello First Name Podcast. The Hello First Name Podcast revolves around the term personalization and is brought to you by marketing author Rasmus Holin, founder of Omnichannel Institute and chief experience officer at the marketing automation software company Agilic. The podcast is based on the book Hello First Name. Each episode is based in turn on a chapter from the book, followed by a discussion of the very same chapter with an expert marketing practitioner in the following episode. As always, you can buy the book on Amazon or other bookstores. You can also choose to listen to it all for free on your favorite podcast service. You're also very welcome to download the abstract of the book for free, and all models, of course, are able to download. All downloads are sponsored by Agilic. I'll make sure to put a link to everything in the show notes. But you can always connect on LinkedIn, and I'll be happy to reply and help out. Part 2. A Practitioner's View on Personalization Chapter 6. The Bowtie of Personalization Kirsten works at Pure Gym as the head of CRM in Denmark. Her most important task is to minimize churn from the company's rather large base of health club members. From a churn analysis report carried out earlier in the year, she has confirmation that if a member does not show up at the gym for more than two weeks, this constitutes a churn risk, which she will want to address. One week's absence from the gym can happen to anybody, she thinks to herself, but two weeks of absence can easily break an otherwise healthy habit. Members who have been away for 14 days or more could, consciously or not, be at a decisive moment of truth as to whether they'll continue working out at Pure Gym. Today, there aren't that many members who fit the criteria, but Kirsten knows that each and every day there will be other members who do. So, when she sets up the corresponding communication flow, she's confident that this will create great value over time. Thinking about the customer personas the company created last year, Kirsten realizes that they need to craft multiple variants of the reactivation message depending on which segment they are communicating to. Young people working out to look amazing on the beach need different arguments than do senior citizens who work out for the sake of aging healthily. Kirsten makes a note asking the copywriter to carefully write messages for each major segment, as well as a default variant for the remaining customers. And please remember that we can't really know for sure if they are considering leaving us, so be a little subtle, she adds. All major communication channels also need to be considered, so the copywriter will craft all the copy needed for emails, push notifications, the app, the website, and even the paid ads that Kirsten plans in order to show the members they simply cannot afford to lose. Graphics will be made accordingly. For each segment, she decides to define an inspirational content block with selected exercises and classes that match each segment. For example, hardcore strength exercises for the young men and gentle mind-body classes for the elderly women. The content blocks will be featured in emails, in the app, and on the website for each individual. This scenario illustrates how personalization might take place in a health club such as Pure Gym. In this case, the head of CRM, Kirsten, carefully matches the insights she has about moments of truth and segmentation with content such as creative reactivation messages and inspirational feeds of suggested exercises and classes. This marquee cube of supposedly customer-relevant communication is then produced at a channel-agnostic level, an omnichannel level, before it is applied in an automated communication flow that spans the most important communication channels between Pure Gym and its members. This is a textbook example of using personalization to optimize the feeling of relevance and reduce membership churn. The scenario touches upon two key elements that are key to succeeding with personalization, namely insights and content. Broken down further, the insights consist of both the dynamic moment of truth in the form of the member inactivity and the rather static customer segments, both young and old members. The content consists of both carefully crafted creative messages and curated feeds of content with recommended classes. 
The beauty of the example also lies in the omnichannel approach to both the production and the distribution of the messages across owned and paid media. In owned media, the inactivity can be addressed fairly explicitly, whereas in paid media, the reactivation message needs to be a bit more implicit and subtle so as not to be perceived as creepy. These four elements of insight and content together form the bow tie of personalization, which serves as this book's main model for understanding the different forms of personalization. The left side tips or corners of the bow tie make up two different types of customer insights, namely segments and moments of truth. The right side tips make up two different types of content, namely messages and content feeds. It wouldn't be a bow tie without the knot in the middle. This connects the different types of insights with the different types of content. As we'll cover in the following chapters, each of the four corners of the bow tie has its rightful place and purpose. Each one plays the role in some areas of personalization and a smaller role in others. A glimpse of hyperpersonalization, what's not to like? If all four corners of the bow tie are in play at the same time, this is pretty much the most personalized a piece of communication can become. Naturally, the insights can, over time, become more precise through better data collection and algorithms. The content can also become more creative and you can have more content variants matching more segments. Eventually, the customer experience in this case becomes what is often referred to as hyper-personalization. The amount of work you put into tying this beautiful knot will be worth it if you use it for the most important parts of your customer journey and craft a personalized and memorable experience. Imagine the customer journey as one very long piece of cloth with a knot of hyper-personalization for each critical moment along the way so that you have a chain of bows placed at appropriate points along your customer journey. In the case of PureGym, one of the most important business goals is to reduce member churn. And the most dominant customer insight in assessing the risk of churn for a single member is inactivity, as in not having been to the gym. This is why it makes sense for the Pure Gym team to do everything in their power to create a personalized and memorable customer experience for all customers who happen to be inactive, for one reason or another, in order to reactivate as many members as possible in an automated and relevant way. For an online grocery retailer, the most important part of the customer journey could be getting new customers to make three purchases within a month. For a charity, it could be getting a donor to sign a recurring donation subscription. These moments are where you should focus your personalization efforts. They are where you should tie the most beautiful bow tie knots that you can. For the less critical parts of the customer journey, you can justify a more general and less personalized experience. It won't be profitable to aim for hyper-personalization at every single touch point with customers. Dramatizing the knot in the bow tie. Doubling down on the knot in the bow tie will help you to create the impact that you're after. But it is also the perfect way to communicate what personalization is all about and what kind of customer experience you are out to create. So why not dramatize it and put it into a narrative in much the same way as we have in the case study at the beginning of this chapter? Why not make this narrative into an animated video that can be shown at internal town halls to new employees and to all team members who are trying to make this narrative a reality? Since the dawn of time, human beings have gathered around the campfire, listening to narratives and seeing themselves in them. A dramatized narrative about how personalization can create better customer experiences and business results has the power to convey personalization on both a logical level and an emotional level, like almost nothing else. True personalization magic happens before the channels. There's an old saying that is often mentioned when conversations turn to personalization. Personalization is about sending the right message to the right person at the right time and through the right channel. So, if we take a closer look at the bow tie of personalization, you could argue that it covers the content of this sentence to a large extent. 
However, the right channel part is not included. Why is that so? As individual consumers, we don't have one relevant channel. We cannot only be reached on the right channel. We all wish we were better at using ad bloggers, unsubscribing from uninteresting newsletters and app notifications, and doing some digital detoxing, but we're most often not. The same goes for the vast majority of people out there. Also, people often need to see the same message multiple times in order for it to sink in. Exactly how many times per person cannot be absolutely determined, but engaging formats will of course bring this number down. Communication channels cater to different formats and thus each have their own rules of engagement. For instance, you'd rarely use the same content on TikTok as you would in a personalized email. As a marketer, however, you should use the bow tie of personalization to at least mentally decide who should be exposed to which content at which given time. And remember that the core of the message can essentially be the same no matter how different the formats. Central management of insights and content drives efficient personalization. As we shall cover in chapter 14, the more centralized your management of your content, the more efficiently you'll be able to execute personalized communication across channels and thus create better results with less effort. Conversely, the more that content is built into or created for each specific channel or platform, the more cumbersome it is to both create and maintain. Although it can feel arbitrary and detached to put together a message without having a specific channel in mind, it is necessary for optimal efficiency. The same logic applies to how you determine insights in the form of both customer segments and moments of truth and how they match the specific content pieces. If this logic is built into each channel, then personalization across channels can be very hard both to build and manage. The art of the possible. As not all channels or platforms offer the ability to publish content to specific audiences from a central content hub, it is, of course, the art of the possible that is at play here. If your tools and channels do not offer central orchestration across the board, then less will do, of course. It will just make the process more cumbersome. The results you achieve could still be worth the trouble, though. Websites and apps mash it up. On inbound platforms, webs, apps, and even in-store, many types of content are visible at the same time. So more often than not, multiple content feeds and multiple messages will appear simultaneously. Not all of these will be personalized, however as these platforms carry general information that needs to be available for all customers and also cater to the anonymous visitor. Over time, however, you should strive to increase the degree of personalization on digital platforms by motivating customer identification through a persistent login and subsequent data collection of interactions and purchases. An ever-relevant example is to try logging out, yes, you're most likely already logged in, of Amazon and notice how different the website appears. This serves as a testimony to how different a digital platform experience can be because of personalization. Deciding on your communication channels. We've established then that consumers don't have one right channel. And as will be explored further below, messages often have to be repeated in order to affect decisions. These factors have great implications for how you select which communication channels to work with in your personalization efforts. Optimizing cost will be the guiding principle for deciding which channels to choose. Owned media before paid media. As a rule of thumb, owned media is the preferred choice for personalized communication since it will enable you to control your costs to a much higher degree than is possible on paid media. Showing a personalized message on your website and in your app will generally not cost you anything. Similarly, sending emails and push notifications will generally have a very low transaction cost. The same cannot quite be said for SMS, which carries a small fee and certainly not for direct mail, which is considerably more expensive. If you can efficiently distribute your message to the right individuals through owned media, and you see that this has the intended effect, 
then it makes sense not to try to further expose these customers to this message, and certainly not on paid media. You might, however, still be missing the intended reaction from your customers. Indeed, some audiences are using email less than others. If so, you'll have to decide how much it is worth for you to use paid media to further try and drive the desired action. As we shall later see, this is also a type of customer insight. Whom can you expect to convince? Who is worth reaching? See chapter 7 for more on this. So in this way, channels should be used in a trickle-down manner based on cost. No one has one favorite channel. Most people use many channels. The new channels. Throughout this book, we'll often mention the Google and Facebook, Meta, ecosystems when referring to paid media and advertising. We realize that these are not the only advertising platforms and that brands are certainly driving value from advertising across other platforms, including TikTok and retail media, for instance. From a personalization perspective, what matters is whether or not you as a marketer have the option of efficiently targeting specific audiences and can thus use these channels as an integrated part of the personalized customer experience. If this is not possible, then they can still be a part of an interesting and effective marketing mix. It will just be harder to do any meaningful personalization. The power of repetition. A term used in advertising is effective frequency. This is a measure of how many times a person must be exposed to a classic meaning unpersonalized advertising message before they respond and before further exposure is considered wasteful. It also applies to personalized communication, regardless of channel. Though some formats and channels spur greater attention and engagement, generally speaking, it makes sense to repeat a message for a customer several times in order to increase the chances of it sinking in. In advertising, this can be achieved through a very simple re-exposure of exactly the same advert. In email marketing, a reminder seemingly identical to the first message is generally considered acceptable by consumers. Perhaps wrapped up slightly differently in terms of the subject line or introductory text, marketing copywriting or simply copy. If, for instance, it carries great importance for your results that your customers download and register on your app, it is definitely worth repeating a request to do so. In fact, this request could be included as a secondary message across email campaigns in general until the audience have taken the action. Consider, however, that not all customers will be interested in doing this, so some kind of expiration policy should be considered. When you do identify a need to repeat an important message, you might also consider using multiple ways of saying the same thing. This way, your message will stand a higher chance of being noticed and your brand will be considered more human and less mechanistically repetitive. Insights come from data. It is no secret that data plays a central role in personalization, namely in defining the insights. Sometimes a specific data point carries such great meaning or intent that it constitutes an insight in itself. If, for instance, you have behavioral data showing that a customer is browsing your web pages about how to cancel a subscription, naturally this is an insight that should not be missed. However, most insights go deeper and data exists in many forms. Data can either be general and anonymous or relate to individual customers and it can come from both qualitative and quantitative sources. Among advertising agencies, the term insight has long been used to shape and justify campaigns. This type of insight rarely comes from first-party customer data. Rather, it more often comes from qualitative studies based on focus groups, interviews, anthropological observations, and so on, combined with anonymized statistical data sources. This doesn't mean that these insights aren't valid or that they can't be used for personalization. In the case of media buying, it makes great sense to limit ad spending and focus on certain segments based on the data and segmentation criteria available in the Google and Facebook ecosystems. Explicit personalization, on the other hand, requires that you have specific customer data for each individual. Quantitative data drives insight. Qualitative data drives messaging. 
whereas quantitative data is the primary source of the insights used in personalization. Qualitative data, and especially the interpretation thereof, can mean a lot for how a certain message is creatively crafted. For instance, consider the reactivation message for health clubs members at the start of this chapter. Qualitative data and insights will be useful in deciding what it is that could motivate a certain customer segment to perform a specific desired action. For example, why do the elderly members of Pure Gym generally go to the gym? The answer will mean a lot in terms of what the reactivation message should sound like. Qualitative insights also matter a great deal for how both value propositions and platforms such as apps and websites are generally put together. Often, qualitative insights will serve as inputs for how so-called personas are created. These personas take the form of narratives and serve as embodiments of specific important segments. The narratives help project participants to put themselves in the mind of the intended users and thus design a service according to what the personas and not the designers themselves deem important. All models are wrong, but some are useful. The famous statistician George Box is often quoted as having said that all models are wrong, but some are useful. The meaning behind this aphorism is obviously that all models are approximations of reality and as such naturally fail to capture all of the complexity that real life entails. That doesn't mean that they aren't useful, however. So, depending on what your aim is and what decision you are looking to make, some models will make it easier for you to make up your mind and choose the optimal course of action. The bow tie of personalization is no exception to this rule. It is intended to help you and your colleagues better understand personalization as a term and thus collaborate more efficiently to create value through personalization. As we shall explore in the following chapters, the emphasis on the individual corners of the bow tie of personalization changes from one marketing discipline to the next. We will discuss how the emphasis shifts when you're working with campaigns, chapter 9, marketing automation, chapter 11, and personalization on inbound platforms such as website and apps, chapter 13. It will become clear where to focus to optimize value creation for both customers and your company within these disciplines. From bow tie to pyramid, what does good look like? It is one thing to understand what personalization is and how it is applied in different marketing disciplines. It is another thing to know which parts of personalization to implement and in which order. For each of the marketing disciplines discussed in chapters 9, 11 and 13, campaigns, marketing automation and inbound platforms, we offer a set of maturity levels. For each maturity level, we offer details of the scope of the likely personalization efforts of a company operating at that level. We will conclude this part of the book by gathering the three maturity levels for each discipline into what we call the pyramid of personalization. See chapter 14. For now, we're mostly concerned with discussing the scope, the personalized communication you choose to implement, and that eventually becomes part of the customer experience. We will refer to this as the front end of the pyramid throughout the rest of the book. This is the part that creates effectiveness, as we discussed in chapter 2. In part 4 of the book, we shall examine the back end of the pyramid in greater detail. What is it that supports the personalized customer experience from an organizational point of view? This is more about organizational efficiency, again, as introduced in chapter 2. Together, the front end and the back end form the full pyramid of personalization, which is a full maturity model for working profitably with personalization across marketing disciplines. The reason we describe the model as a pyramid is that the more sophisticated your work with personalization becomes, the more it is customer-centric and channel agnostic, and the more it supports long-term value creation, regardless of which discipline you're mainly working with. Thank you for listening in on this episode of Hello First Name. Remember that all models and even a written abstract of the book are available for download. You'll find the link in the show notes. In our next episode, which is a more classical podcast style, we'll be discussing the chapter you just listened to, namely the bow tie of personalization, together with Gianfranco Cuccio, 
international CRM and personalization lead from Natura and Co. slash Avon, including the worldwide known brand Body Shop. Gianfranco was also previously global head of CRM at Aesop. Does the bow tie of personalization match the view of an expert like Gianfranco Cuccio? We'll soon find out.